Um, my name's uh, Jake. I am the pastor of the young adult and college age group here at Res Life. It's called Access. You guys heard of Access before? Yeah? Um, we actually uh, started doing something. Thanks, Monty. Give it up for Monty. What an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of an update, what's going on with the lights? Let there be light. Um, that's blinding. Could it be less blinding a little bit? Um, so we've been doing something different at, um, at Access with our college and young adults. And this past Thursday, so uh, six days ago, we had our first what we called outreach night. And it was just a phenomenal experience. So what we did actually is instead of having uh, like a, a normal service um, with like a message or with, um, we still had our worship. So we actually had our worship and then after worship, we actually broke up into groups of, of like three and four people. And I think we had um, 20, I think we had 22 different groups. And we all, they all each went out, they prayed and um, they asked God, where do you want us to go? And we just all, they all just went out. They went in their cars. Some people went to Meyer. they went to Big B. We had people that went, um, my group went to the Rainbow Grill. We had people go to Walmart, Cabela's, and they just went and they were just available for what God was doing wherever they were. And we had people who blessed people. They paid for people's groceries. We had people, you know, just really loving on our city um, in the city of Granville. And it was so cool just to see how our young people are, have a passion and have a desire and a willingness to be uncomfortable and to step out into something that's so, some people may call it radical, I call it normal. Because when Jesus said go, he didn't mean go to church. He said meant go to the world. Um, and so I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update what we're doing. We're so excited. We do that actually once a month. Um, and I, just from our response from, that we had last week, I mean, we had, over, we had about 100 people who went out. So 100 people going out, being equipped to, to be normal Christians in everyday life, sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel with people who desperately need it. Um, so with that, this isn't the part of my the part of what's going on tonight, but I just think it's powerful. Just the power of being available. Um, there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Many are called, few are chosen." So it's kind of this like this 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 teeter totter of like, okay, well, am I the one who's chosen? How do I know if I'm chosen or not? And how it says, "Many are called, few are chosen." I have a different translation that I just make up myself. I, I don't think I'm out of line here, but it's. It's, it's everyone's invited, few are available. Many are called, few are chosen. Everyone's invited, but few are available. And the few that are available are the ones who get chosen. And while we were out with my group, we were out at the Rainbow Grill, and we were sitting there, and we were just kind of drinking some coffee and just kind of talking normal, normally, because I didn't really know the people in my group that well. Um, so we were just talking, and there was a lady who was just sitting in a booth by herself. And so... Um, I just, for no, really, for no reason in particular, I just felt, hey, I should go talk to her. Um, so I grabbed one of the guys who was with me, and we just went and talked to her. And we ended up talking to her, and, and we ended up praying with her, and it was just so cool. She was like, how did you know that I, like, I needed this so much? Like, how did you know? I said, I, don't, I just made a decision, and I was available. And that's what, at Access, that's what we're doing, is we're trying to equip people to be just available. Not to be these super, super duper Christians, but just Christians who are available and who just love people and who are willing to sacrifice their own, their own uh, comfort 
for the well-being of someone who's right in front of them. Is that all right? That's a good word. So let's be available. Um, it's one of the big, that's, that's literally the only criteria that, that God requires, is just being available. Um, sorry if I sniffle, I have a little bit of a stuffy nose right now. Um, so, I have my cell phone. Um, before I get started, actually I just want to pray. Dear God, I thank you for uh, tonight. I thank you for every single person, every single individual in this room. I pray that God, our hearts would be open and would be available to your leading Holy Spirit. And I just submit this thing, this thing to you, this time to you, God. I don't want to have my own agenda. I submit it to you. And God, I just ask that you bring your power, God, to transform lives, to shift perspectives, and to, to change the way we think so that we can be effective and so that we can bring people to the person of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have my phone here. Um, I have an iPhone. Anyone else have an iPhone? Do we have like any Android people here? Yeah. I'm partial towards iPhones. Um, we'll be doing an altar call later on for all those Android people. Um, I'm just kidding. Oh, we have someone who's leaving. Don't leave. No, it was, it was a joke. She's like, I'm going to go get my iPhone real quick. That's where she's going. Um, and so on my iPhone, I don't know about you Android people, but on my iPhone, I have the settings little part, right? So in the settings part, once in a while, more frequently than I would like it to, um, there's a little red circle that comes on top of it. You all know what I'm talking about? So it's a little red circle, and I, so I click on it, and I go, and it says, like, software update. Software update. So then I have to go to my software, and I agree to the policies, and I press click, and then it goes through, and then I have to update my software. You know, it's something that, you know, I, th I have my own opinions on why Apple does that. Some reason I think they, they do it just so that you have to buy the new phone because you have the old phone that doesn't work on the new system, so they're always making you buy the new phone. It's like, thanks, Apple. So I'm not totally into Apple. I do have my beef with them, but I still have their phone, so they don't care. Um, so these operating systems, software updates. I think it's funny because I think that it's actually, that's very connected or it relates to our, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Software updates. I think there's a way of thinking in, in, within the Christian religion, not at this church, just in the whole religion in general, that once you become saved or once you receive Christ and get born again, then you have the software or the only update that you'll ever need. And although when we get saved, we receive everything that we'll ever need, what I've found in my own life is that very frequently I need a software update. Very frequently there are red signals in my life, whether it be sin, whether it be um, getting offended, whether it be multiple different areas of my life that send me a signal that I need a software update. 
so where is the software in, in my life, in our lives? I believe it's in our, what I like to call our operating system or our belief center. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm specifically not talking about specifically our mind and our thoughts. Because I believe there is a belief center inside the, the human, inside of each individual human that is deeper than just our thoughts. And what I believe it is, is, is a better description of our belief center would be our reactions. Or a different way to say it would be our lens or our perspective that we see life. And so our operating system is the filter in which we see life with, which causes us to have our reactions. A silly example I always share is when you're driving down the road, when someone cuts you off, are you one of those people <laughs> who get really upset and really angry, honk your horn, then you speed up real quick, you slow down right next to them, you look at them, and they look at you, and then you just keep driving, and then you cut them off? Are you one of the people who just, oh, Lord bless them. What's our reaction? See, what I believe our operating system is, is our reaction without having, without the ability or the time to actually think through what just happened. So our reactions to stimuli, external stimuli, determine what our operating system or what our belief center actually believes. So when chaos comes, when the trauma hits, when the bad news comes, our belief center is going to, our, our reactions are going to determine or are going to show us what our beliefs actually are. Are you following? You see, because in, within Christianity we talk about like renewing your mind, changing the way you think, repenting, changing your thought process. And I believe that that's the first step. But I believe that's the first step into a much deeper rooted issue, which is our belief center, which is our reactions, which is the way we see life. You see, what, there's, a, there's, a, there's two ways to look at it. If somebody, there's two ways to look at it. I go into a restaurant, I have a waitress, or a waiter, a server, and they're really rude, they mess up my order, they bring it out slow, they're rude to me. You see, there's two ways to look at it. There's two ways to react. There's a lot of different ways. But for simplicity's sake, we can look at it as this person ruining or influencing my day in a negative way, or I can look at it in a manner or a perspective that says, oh my gosh, this girl needs, she needs love. Like now more than ever. There's a reaction that says, I'm, I'm going to tip her 10% because of her poor performance. Or there's a perspective that says, I'm so glad that Jesus gave me everything when I deserve nothing. So even though my server is doing a terrible job and is giving me lip, not, not being a very good server, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her 30% tip. And what I believe this comes down to is, is the belief center or the reactions that we have. And tonight what I want to get into is I want to get into that belief center that, that 
perspective or that filter that we have towards our life. And we're going to be in a series, it starts tonight, we're going to take next week off, we have a guest speaker coming in, but then it's going to be the next two weeks, and it's going to be all about the armor of God. And what I, what I titled it was Offensive Christianity, not offensive, like being offended, but offense, like we're on the offense. Offensive Christianity, and the premise of the, the series is going to be about going on the offense and going after the lies or the strongholds or the incorrect belief systems and centers that we have because that is the number one tool that the devil uses to influence our lives. So instead of hiding and, and, and running away from these things and, and trying to put on the armor and trying to hide and just protect ourselves, we move forward and we push into those incorrect belief systems and we take the ground. We take the ground back that belongs to God and that belongs to us. And we start believing, seeing, and living the way that God always intended us to live, which is in abundance, fullness, life, peace, prosperity. So our, uh, so our staple verse for the three weeks that we're going to be in this is going to be Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And I'll read it to you. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Notice that it's not our armor. So that when the, evil, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So there's a verse, there's a, there's a verse in there, there's a phrase that says, we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Against powers and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's another passage I want to share with you that's going to correlate with that. It's, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. It says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly ones, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we'll punish everyone who remains disobedient. So these two passages tell us something, that our war or the battle or the fight of faith that we live in is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against humans, but it gets, it's against power, spiritual forces that are, that are warring for your mind and for your soul and for your spirit. And in the 2 Corinthians 10, it talks about the word stronghold. 
The stronghold, in a biblical sense, it's actually a military word used to describe a city that is heavily fortified or heavily guarded with high walls that's used for military purposes. It's protecting the, sol- it's protecting the soldiers. It's protecting something very valuable. A stronghold is a fortified city. And it says that God uses heavenly things, or he uses, we use God's weapons to break down strongholds within our lives. And what I believe those strongholds, there's, there's many different strongholds, but there are belief systems. They're what we believe deep down in our core that when we react, it's the things that we believe. And so those strongholds are the things that we need to go after. When we're, when we're taking our stand with the armor of God, with the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, we're protecting our belief systems. We're protecting what the word of God says and what we know to be true. And so what the devil, what the devil does in Ephesians 6, it talks about right these, these flaming arrows. So the devil uses these arrows to attack us. He uses these arrows and it gives us this imagery of, of the devil trying to, to hit us where we're weak. And what, he, what he's ultimately trying to do is influence our thought life. Influence our belief center so that we'll always be defeated. So Jesus, so our belief center is very, very important. What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, and what we believe about the Bible, and what we believe about others is very important. And so the devil is trying to attack those belief systems, and God is trying to protect the belief systems that we have, and he's trying to bring truth. So when Jesus was on earth, when Jesus was walking on earth, he came, he came preaching and his vocabulary was like this. You've heard it said, now I say. And he said things like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here or it's at hand. So he said repent and that word repent simply means to change the way you think. So imagine this, Jesus is living his life, he, he's going about, and he, remember, he's performing miracles, he's doing mirac- for, for, performing miraculous signs, casting out demons, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. You see, the Jewish people thought that the, the Messiah was going to come and overthrow the Roman, the Roman um, authorities in the Roman army, and the Messiah was going to lead the Jewish people to, to reign in Israel and reign in the promised land that was promised to them. But Jesus came, repent, change the way you think, change your belief center about the Messiah, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, Jesus knew the importance of changing our thought life. That's the only thing he preached, one of the only things. Repent, change the way we think, because the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. And later on in Mark 8, Jesus is talking to the, to the disciples, and he's warning them. He's warning them about, about two, um, 
two ditches that, we've, that we can often fall into, thought, thought processes that we can fall into. He talks about the leavened of the Pharisees, and then he talks about the leavened of Herod. So the leavened is, 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 a, is a, actually a baking term, and it ruins a whole batch. So he says, be careful of the thought process of the Pharisees, and be careful, or watch out for the thought process of Herod, which was the ruler of that time. So he's saying there's two thought processes that we need to be careful and watch out for. A religious thought process and a worldly thought process. And we need to align with what the scripture says and what Jesus came to show us. And so as I was, as I was preparing for this, because there's so many different, th- I mean, the, the thought life of a, of a human being is just, you, you, we can't even conceive it. We can't even comprehend the brain and the thoughts that we have. And I, can't, and I wanted to, to talk about three things that, that we can really do, three things that we can really start to do to start taking control or start allowing God to have control over our thoughts and over our belief systems. Because ultimately, our belief systems are formed from the time that we're a little kid. We go to elementary school, we grow up, we have brothers and sisters, we have mom and dad, we have, no, we, we have the world around us, we have jobs, we grow up, we have kids, we have grandkids, we have all this stuff, and we develop these belief systems based on what we've seen. But there's a verse in Proverbs 14, 12 that's very, very important. Very interesting. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a verse in the New Testament that says, the mind governed by the, by the flesh leads to death, but the mind governed by the spirit leads to life and peace. You see, the way we grow up, we've learned, we've learned actually how to survive in the life, in the, and our belief systems have taught us how human nature works, how our, excuse me, how our interactions with people work, with interactions with people, how they work, and we've been taught, we, and now we have all these belief systems about how the world works, and God has said, the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus has says, repent, change the way you think, because the kingdom of heaven is here, and the kingdom of heaven is far superior to the kingdom of earth. You see, we were taught an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We were taught when your neighbor slaps you, you slap him back. You were taught when your friend pranked you, you prank him back. We were taught that we retaliate. We were taught revenge. But Jesus came and he said, I want to show you how the kingdom works. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I want to show you how the kingdom of heaven works. When somebody slaps you on the right hand, I want you to turn to them the other cheek. When they make you go one mile, I want you to go with them two miles. The kingdom of heaven is here. And the kingdom of heaven is all about being a servant. The kingdom of heaven is all about serving and loving others. It's never protecting your own life, but laying your life down for those around you. And when we start entering into the kingdom, we start entering... When we start entering into that place and start living from that belief system instead of the way that the world has taught us, because what has that really ever gotten us? What is, what, is, what is an eye for an eye? What has revenge ever really gotten us except, except more pain? 
So he's saying we need to change the way that we see, change the way that we think. I want to read a verse, Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. See, this is what's going to happen when we start to take authority or take control or take responsibility for our thought life. Because I think if we're, if we're all honest, we, would, we have a desire. We have a desire. Since we're here, we're at church, we're, we're here. We have a desire to grow closer to God. We have a desire to, to, to be in a better place or to have a better tomorrow. We all have that desire. But that desire ultimately has to lead to discipline. And this is something that, that I think is so vitally important for our thought life and our belief system. Because we've been taught for years and years and years and years and years how to live, how to think, how the world works. And Jesus, through the word of God, through the Bible, has shown us a better way to think. But it's not normal for us. We have to teach ourselves. We have to allow God to teach us. It says, let God transform the way that you think. We have to, we have to be in a discipline to train our brain and train our mind what to think. That means every day, Every day, training our mind what to think. That means waking up and saying, thank you, God, that I am the righteousness of God. I thank you, God, that I have authority over the devil. I thank you, God, that I am your child. I thank you, God, that I'm your son. I thank you, God, that I'm your daughter. Thank you, God, that I believe what your word says over what my experiences say. I thank you that you love me, that you love me, that you love me. And you consistently train your brain what to think. And now this is what I'm not saying. I am not saying to manipulate and to trick your brain into thinking something that's not true. What I am trying to say is when we align our words and our thoughts into what the word of God says about us, we will start to experience the fullness of God that is available for us. But until we believe in our heart that God says who he is, until we become like a child, because when you tell a child that Santa Claus is real, guess what? They believe it. But when you tell an adult that there's a better day coming tomorrow, they say, no, it's not, can't be true. Because my experiences have told me different. Since when can we put our experiences over the word of God? Since when did that become okay? That we place ourselves in a position of higher authority than the word of God, which is alive and active. It's called idolatry. It's called the devil taking his arrows and shooting them right at you and letting them come right through. Because God wants to transform our mind and our brain so that it gets from our mind into our belief center, which is the reactions. So when the bills are tight the next month, our reaction's not, oh boy, what do we have to give up? Our first reaction is God is provider, he will always provide. When, when the bad news comes about health, how many of you know the only way, I, I want to share something with you that you might not have thought, thought through before. The only way that we can know that God is healer is for us to be sick. 
So if you're sick, you're in the perfect position to experience God as healer. You're in, the, you're in the best position you could ever be. We sang it in the worship song, all his promises are yes and amen. But this is what Jesus also says. He says, if you want, he says, if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a child. Now there's two different ways. That there's, there's the kingdom of God and then there's the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is heaven's or God's operating system. It's God's thoughts. It's his ways. Kingdom of God is heaven or eternal life, everlasting life with him. So Jesus is not saying um, you must become like a child in order to receive salvation. He's saying if you want to experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven as Jesus lays out in the gospels, you must become like a child, which means we have to retrain the way our brain thinks, getting into our belief system so that we can start to become it and so that we can start fighting the devil and not allowing him to destroy us, discourage us, and have so much depression rampant in the church and in America. Because once we start believing what the Bible says, but it's not just about training our mind and training it, it's allowing, it says right here in Romans 12 too, it says, let God, let God, let God transform you into a new person. You can't transform yourself. He's the only one that can do it. But when we get into his word, when we get into his word and we say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with me, you'll never leave me. Teach me, show me what it is you see in me and in the world so that I can become everything that you've created me to be. God, and it's acknowledging those things that we believe. God, I acknowledge, I have to do this. God, I acknowledge that I sometimes, God, I have a poor self-image sometimes. And I just don't think I'm good enough. I said, God, help me. Help me with that. Show me what, show me what you see in me. Because I know that's not truth. I know that's not what you've said about me. But it's what I feel. So God, show me what it means for me to be the full person that you've created me to be. Show me, God. So what happens is when we start to have that discipline. So the first is we all have that desire. Second is we have that discipline. We have that discipline of just training our mind and some days we don't feel it but we still do it anyways. We have the sticky notes on our mirrors and we have sticky notes everywhere. I have reminders on my phone. I just actually had one right now. It says, God is with you. I set it on my phone. It says, God is with you. I say, okay, wow. Sometimes I'm in like somewhere and I'm like, oh yeah, he's with me. <laughs> like I totally forget. But we transform and train our mind to, to, to believe the things that God has spoken. And that's how we get on the offense. That's how we get on the offense. We have the desire, we start the discipline. And the third thing is actually when we start to have that discipline and God starts to empower and come behind us and strengthen us, is we start to delight in it. We actually start to, it starts to become us and it's not a discipline anymore, it's the way that we are. It's not a discipline to convince ourselves that we're a son or a daughter, that we're loved or that that God likes us. It's just what we believe. But then in turn is gonna affect how we see other people because we're free. We are, we are not influenced, we are not influenced by what we think about. We are influenced by what we delight in. 
We are not influenced by simply what we think about. We are influenced most by what we delight in. If you delight in sports, that's what's gonna influence us. If we delight in our job, that's what's gonna influence us most. If we delight in the Lord, he will influence us. And he will change the way that we see the world. He'll change the way that we see situations. He'll change the way that we see our coworkers. He'll change the way that we see our spouse. He'll change the way that we see everything. And then what happens is we're gonna start to, to build ourselves up once we start to train our mind and once we start to, start to believe what the Bible says, we're gonna start putting on this armor, right? Because we're ready for war. We start putting on the shield of faith. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the shoes of peace. We have the belt of truth. And then we start moving forward and we start going on the offense, taking ground for the kingdom of God. We start destroying the strongholds that have, have, have prisoned, imprisoned us for our whole lives. Shame, fear. And we start pressing into those things with our armor. And when the devil comes, the shield of faith knocks it down. And we will walk ever we have these, we have this armor, and it's God's armor, it's his power, and we're walking in his power, moving forward, advancing. Have you noticed in the armor of God, there is no protection in the back. There's no running away. The armor of God is, is, is purposed for us to move forward and advanced. The only direction for a believer is forward. It's from glory to glory, it's from faith to faith. And it's not a one-time thing, our operating systems. It's not a one-time thing that we, ha- that we get when we come to church. An operating system, I would even argue, needs to be updated at least once a day. We need to recheck our operating system. We need to recheck and check in and say, okay, God, what's going on? Let's get my operating system up to date because I don't want to be living on yesterday's update. I don't want to be living on today's update. Because yesterday I had those problems and today I have these problems and I need a new operating system in order to push through and fight and move forward and advance and take the kingdom of heaven. Jesus paid for us. Jesus paid it all for us to have. He didn't didn't die and he didn't live his life and come down to earth so that we could be defeated by the devil the devil's such a little wimp. He hides and he hides and then, and then he tempts us and then once, once we succumb, he, makes it, he says, ha, look, you did it. He's such a little wimp, I hate him. But he's not, you see, we call him the enemy but he's not really even the enemy because he's defeated. How do you call someone who's defeated the enemy? All he is is someone who lies and when we believe the lie, we empower the liar but we destroy the lie through the word of God and through training our mind. When we destroy the lie, we dismantle the power of the devil. And he has no power over us once we know the truth because the truth has set us free. Will you bow your heads with me?
Stick with me. I'm going to pray here, and then I'm going to say something, and I'm going to pray afterwards as well. So just stay with me here. Um, I want to pray right now over the stronghold or the belief system of shame. So what does shame look like? Shame looks like hiding. Shame looks like, like I can't tell because if I tell, then it's gonna then it's gonna get out, and people are gonna be really judgmental, and I'm ashamed of what I've done. I can't ever let, ever let anyone know what I've done or who I because I'm just ashamed of what. I had done or what I haven't done. And that's actually a tool, it's a, it's a stronghold, it's a, it's, a, it's a fortress that the, the devil actually uses to keep us in bondage. And so I'm gonna, if that's you, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, I'm just going to ask you to just to be available. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just pray and we declare that the spirit of shame, guilt, and condemnation leave this room right now. And God, that people who are, who are ashamed of who they are or what they've done, God, would be set free and loosened from, the, from that stronghold and from that belief center that they are not good enough and that they will never amount to anything. God, I pray that you just shower them right now with your love and acceptance, and God, give them a picture of what they are to do for your kingdom and what they are to be for your kingdom. God, shame must leave, condemnation must leave, guilt must leave right now in Jesus' name. And if you're here and you don't know God, you're not living for God, you maybe once lived for God, but you've, you've gone away from it and you're here and you want to get right with God. You want to you get back on the right path. I want to give you an opportunity today. So that's, if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Awesome. I'm just going to pray to close. Dear God, I thank you for, just for your word, God. I thank you for, for transforming and, and changing the way that we think so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. I thank you, God, for every destiny and purpose in this room, God, that we would live a life of intentional living. We would live a life where we are pursuing you and updating every day, God, into what you think about us. God, that we would every day be in tune with what your word says about us, that we're loved sons, daughters, children, warriors, we're heirs, we're chosen, we're masterpieces, God. There's no mistakes with us. God, that we would choose and that you would continue to remind us who you've created us to be, not just an accident waiting to happen, but a, but a child of God who's destined to bring miracles, signs, wonders, salvations everywhere we go. That everywhere we go as Christians, we bring freedom, victory, and confidence with us. And that we would be known as a people who love well. We would be known as a people who won't compromise and who live with integrity. In Jesus' name, amen.